Hey guys, what's up? We are in Matthew 4 and welcome to Everyday Gospel where we are looking at the life of Jesus through the Gospels. And like I said, like I, man, I've been enjoying this series, um, focusing on Jesus and just, man, the whole Bible is about Jesus. You know, this is the Gospels are what we have of his life. And so we're going to go through all the Gospels on this podcast and we'll probably do some other episodes. I really want to do a thing on, you know, how to study the Bible properly, um, give you guys resources to check out, stuff like that. I would love to do um, other off-topic things. But basically, for now, we are going through the Gospels. So we are in Matthew, and you can... Check out, you know, past episodes. We started chapter one. Today we're doing chapter four. Uh, but not all of chapter four. We're doing uh, verses one through 11 today. So hope you guys have your Bibles ready. And I'll give you a second to get to Matthew four. Do, 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 do. Okay. Um... So here we go, Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. So it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But he answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up uh, to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you. And they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus told them, It is written, Do not test the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him the, all the kingdoms of the world in splendor, and he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will just fall down. And worship me. Then Jesus told them, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him, and immediately angels came and began to serve him. So, let me just pull out, pulling up my notes here. on Matthew. Okay. So as we are looking at this, um, you know, just some things off the top of my head, like when I'm studying, I like to try to, um, you know, observe things. And so like one of the things was, is like he was led by the spirit into temptation, you know, like the spirit led him. 
you know, to temptation. Um, and like, I think that's just interesting. And then um, we see that, you know, there's a correlation here, like Jesus being tempted and, and Adam being tested, you know, kind of similar thing. Um, so, but as we walk through the passage, you know, we'll see that the context of this is like right after the baptism, like all the synoptic gospels have this story of the temptation of Jesus. Now they're presented in different orders. Um, and some details are a little different and that leads some scholars to believe that, you know, there was, uh, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast, but in school we've discussed this idea of a document queue. Okay. And what that means is that they, people, some scholars believe that there's an unknown document. Like we don't have a copy of it where it had some of these stories that that the synoptic gospels basically pull from. And they believe this because some words are copied exactly the same, even though one was written earlier than others. Um, There's, you know, just little details that, you know, scholars believe that, hey, like maybe there was another document that had these stories in that, you know, these gospel writers pulled from, I I don't think it matters, you know, really. Um, They all are pretty much the same. So I I don't know about that. It's something that, you know, you can look into yourself and it's a pretty complicated issue with this document Q. Um, But anyways, so you know, after they're, they're all, you know, come after the baptism. So it's assumed that as he's being baptized and filled with the spirit, God's confirming like this is Jesus, the Messiah, you know, he is immediately thrown into testing, right? He's immediately um, thrown in there. And so says that he fasted for 40 days and nights and he was hungry. And, you know, this is interesting to me, too. Like, you know, man, the devil didn't attack Jesus when Jesus was at 100%. You know what I mean? Like, he he attacks Jesus after Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. Now, I don't think I fasted more than a day, to be honest. So I can't imagine... 40 days. Wow. Right. But I do know about fasting is that your hunger does go away. Eventually when you do these extended fasts, your hunger goes away and then you're pretty much fine. But scientists or, you know, doctors say that when the hunger comes back is the dangerous time. Like you need to eat or you're going to die soon. Like, I think there's still, a day or two, but if you don't feed that hunger, when the hunger comes back really strong, you are on the verge of dying. So that's what they say. So you're supposed to eat then so that you don't die (laughs) because you can't go forever without food, right? You need that. 
Um, so here it is, 40 days and 40 nights, and it says that he he was hungry. Now their translation says he became hungry. So is it possible that Jesus, his body is at its brink of collapsing? You know what I mean? And here, this is when the tempter comes to Jesus, when he's weakened, when he's, his physical body is not in tip-top shape, right? Like... That's, that's how it is with us, right? Um, and so it says, oh, another thing is 40 days and 40 nights. That is a significant number. Moses, again, right? I was telling you guys last week or the week before about the correlation with Jesus and Moses. And Moses fasted when he went up to get the commandments from God. He was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. So again, that that pairing also people believe that this is um calling to israel when they disobeyed and they were wandering for 40 years in the desert they were being tested too you know they sent spies out and then they rebel against god and god says you know what you guys don't believe me you don't believe my words so 40 years you're gonna wander through the desert till all of you die and then the next generation is going to come in with joshua and take the promised land and so some people see a correlation between that, the 40 years of testing in the wilderness with Israel and these 40 days and nights of Jesus being, you know, tested in the desert too. But days, not years. Um, and so, you know, that that's an interesting thing. And so when we talk about temptation and God, you know, there's... When you start to think about it theologically, you know, you start to think like, you know, this is a very common issue with this temptation is that if Jesus, like, could Jesus have sinned is the question. Could Jesus have sinned? Because if he couldn't have given in to these temptations, then it seems like you know, there's a misstep of like, how can he really relate to us? If he was never able to sin, then if he was never given a real choice because he's God, he cannot sin, right? That's that's the view we hold most of the time. You know, people hold that view that, you know, God can't sin. So Jesus being God couldn't have sinned. So even though he's being tested, it wasn't like a real threat, you know, that's what some people believe. And so some people believe that, well, like he, he was given a real choice. He could have sinned. He could have chosen to sin, but he wouldn't have. And then you get into the whole, you know, problem of like, well, if he could sin, you know, then he's not God. And so it just comes into this whole like argument, right? But what I found was there was a scholar, Jay McKinley, and he says, most scholars say that he was impeccable, that meaning he was unable to sin. To say otherwise could mean to attribute sin to a holy God. Yet Jay McKinley says that the Jesus temptation was genuine because Jesus was not aware of if he could sin. So I'm going to read that again. He was not, Jesus was not aware of if he could sin. And he says the reason is, is because the Holy Spirit in Jesus' ministry provided 
a bond and boundary between Jesus' two natures. So he's basically saying that he was walking in the power of the Spirit, and so he couldn't have known if he could sin or not, but that him leaning on the Spirit, you know, because it says he was filled with the Spirit as he came into the the wilderness temptation, that that kind of you know, is the key. He was walking the spirit, so he didn't, and it was a genuine thing. I don't know. I didn't do a lot of research on that, but I think it's an interesting thing to kind of think about. Um, you know, and it says in Hebrews, you know, that he was tempted always without sin. So we know that this isn't the only time that Jesus was tempted. I've run into people thinking that this this is all the temptations were just here. But it's not like Jesus was tempted throughout his life and ministry. You know, it says he was tempted in all ways, but without sin. And so, um, so Satan approaches him and he's weak and he's hungry. And he tells him, man, make these stones into bread. Like use your power for yourself, right? Like use it, take care of your needs. You don't need to wait on God. You know, obviously God wanted him to fast. That's why he's doing it. He's not breaking it. (laughs) Right? So, like, you know, and Jesus pulls scripture each time. He pulls from the book of Deuteronomy. This verse he pulls from Deuteronomy 8.3. Because it doesn't say in the text. So, I'll give it to you. It's Deuteronomy 8.3. And... That's how he combats the temptation. Okay. And then the devil took him up to the pinnacle of a temple. And that just means a high point of the temple. Not literally the highest point, but a high point And probably facing the city because Satan wanted him to make a scene. He wanted him to get all the glory. You know, like put your eyes on Jesus by throwing yourself down recklessly. And what's crazy is that Satan quotes scripture here? You know what I mean? Like we learn something new about the devil. Like in the Old Testament, we kind of see him in certain parts. But here he is again, tempting, distorting scripture. Like he knows the Bible, you guys. <laughs> and it's interesting, right? He quotes from Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12. And what's interesting is that this is a verse about the Messiah, about God's protection of the Messiah. But the context is, is that that's not to say to like test God. And that's why Jesus says, do not test the Lord your God, because that would be testing him. Him jumping off a building recklessly would be testing God because he never said he was going to protect people that jump off buildings right? That's not what it says in Psalm 91. And so that's like us. Like sometimes we do that. We think, oh God, you say you protect me. And then we like jump into the middle of the street, you know, or do something stupid. And it's like, hey, that's not what God, you know, promised, right? And so that would be the equivalent of like saying, it's like, oh, just throw yourself in the street. And like, God's going to, God's going to protect you. You know, it's like, no, that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> And so, but man, the thought that he knows 
scripture and he's twisting it. Right? Man. Something to think about our adversary. And so Jesus told him, don't test your God. And then he took him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and splendor. I'll give you all these things you fall down and worship me. And see, this third temptation really hit me this time studying it because before, I don't think I gave much credence. It's like, oh, he'll just give him the kingdoms. Like, I don't know. I always thought like, okay, like, so what? what so what? Uh, what's the big deal about that? Well, <clears throat> the big deal is that Satan is giving Jesus a way out. Think about it. He's saying, you don't have to go to the cross. Right? Because Satan has the deed, but in Revelation, Jesus has the deed. All the nations are Jesus's once he's resurrected. So, Satan is saying, like, I'll give you all the kingdoms now. You don't have to go to the cross, Jesus. Look, you worship me, and I will give you all the kingdoms. You can start your reign now. You don't have to go through all this stuff. You start your reign now, and it will be beautiful. Just worship me, and you can just start your redemption plan now. Just do it now. And I never thought about it like that before. That it's like he's offering all the kingdoms to be under his control, right? And that's what happens. Jesus inherits, he's the ruler of all the nations when he resurrects. And he's going to come back one day to rule and reign on this earth. So it's like, let's just cut to that moment. I'll give it to you all now. You don't got to do all that other stuff. And. You know, Jesus, again, a third time, you know, I'm sorry, in Matthew 4, 7, it's Deuteronomy 6, 16. And the last time he refutes Satan here is Deuteronomy 6, 13. It says, go away, worship the Lord and serve him only. And then angels came to serve him. And so, wow, right? Like. Such a, a neat story here and seeing Jesus overcome. You know, where Adam failed and sinned, Jesus rose to the occasion and did it. And, um, you know, for us, you know, in temptation, like we're, we're human too, you know, we're human too. We're going to go through periods of temptation now. We may not be Jesus, and I don't believe that when we're tempted to sin, that it's Satan literally, you know, you know, trying to get us to sin. I think that's very few and far between. You know, Job, um, you know, I'm not even sure Job, but like Adam and Eve, yeah, you know, the serpent was there. Even the way he, the serpent talks, if you look at that, Genesis 3 and here, it's similar. You know, the way he's talking, if you are the son of God. Like, the father, God the Father said, this is my beloved son. And then Satan's already, like, questioning, like, are you a son? If you really are, dude, then do this. Prove it to me. You know? And so, um, another thing 
that I just came to mind too is like how Jesus didn't talk to the devil. Right? Like, I don't think that people talk to the devil, but like, there was no conversation. It wasn't like, hey, man, like, you know, oh, come and attempt me. Okay, man, let's do this. You know what I mean? It's just like, no, dude, it was a testing. And Jesus says nothing to him but scripture. He gives him nothing but scripture. And so for us, even though we're not Jesus and we're not being tempted the same way, like James says, we're tempted when our flesh, you know, has desires, it gives birth to sin. And so, you know, a lot of times it's our own sinful nature that draws temptation. But, you know, I don't know. There could be a demonic element to it for sure, maybe. But when we go through temptation, there's some principles here, like two main things. And one is walk in the Spirit. If we're walking in the Spirit of God, then you know what? We are going to be empowered to say no. Like that is a given. Like when we're filled with God's spirit, we're going to be, you know, in the right mindset. And we see Jesus walking into this testing, walking into temptation, being filled with the spirit. So we need to do everything we can to be in that mode that we're praying, we're reading, we're asking to be filled continuously, right? That we're walking in the spirit. Two is scripture. Jesus uses scripture over and over and over to battle the temptation. And if Jesus did that, like that was his defense, was the word of God, guess what? We need that sort of truth too. In Ephesians 6, right? The, the word, which is the sword. And so... We have a weapon to take on when we get tempted, and that is the Word of God. And so that means, friends, that we need not just to read Scripture. You know, that's important. Praying is important. Being filled with the Spirit is important. We also need to spend time memorizing God's Word. Dude, Jesus pulled his three scriptures from Deuteronomy. Like, none of us quote from Deuteronomy. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's one of the most boring books. It's like Leviticus, right? It's a lot of law. People find that boring. Don't, but like, Jesus uses it to defend himself from temptation, which means anything is good in scripture. The more we, the more we memorize, and specifically about issues that we have, you know, anger or attitude problem, whatever it is, lust, you know, whatever it is, when we memorize scriptures about those things, then the spirit of God will draw on those scriptures that we have. So when we're tempted, the spirit will be like, oh, remember this first, remember this first, and it'll come back to you. And so that means there's an element here of like, we need to memorize scripture. And it'll help us in our battles with temptation. So I encourage you guys, there's apps that can help you memorize scripture. Um, you can just write them on index cards to memorize them. There's lots of ways to do it. But please, please start to memorize scripture. And, you know, God will use it in your life, not just for temptation, but a word for somebody, you know, 
or you're just praying and thinking about something and a verse comes to you, like, dude, God uses. He never wastes anything. So, like, what you put in, he's going to use. So put in scripture into your heart and memorize it, okay? Um, So, yeah, that's the lesson for today, guys. I will see you guys next week as we finish up uh, chapter 4. And, yeah, and continue on the gospel, guys. God bless. Hope you guys have a good week, okay? All right. Bye.